Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, I believe that it is hard to find a friend that is cute, kind, hardworking, and humble. And that's why I tell all my friends, don't you dare lose me in your life. Because you ain't ever going to find a friend like this or whatever. Uh, (laughs) It's hard to find friends in this day and age. And that's why we're in the middle of a series where we're saying in these sermons, we don't want to just be a friendly church, but a church of But the fact is, we live in a culture that celebrates the American dream, and that's translated, we work really hard, and then we can be independent and isolated, we can stand on our own feet, and we've done a really good job of doing that, and it's left us feeling incredibly lonely. It's like our self-sufficiency has turned into self-solitude and isolation, and then it's hard to get out of that mindset, and then we deal with social anxiety and feel like we have a lot of shallow connections. We have likes on Instagram, but we don't have friends in real life. It's gotten so bad that last month, the uh, general surgeon of America, the Surgeon General of America, declared that we are in an epidemic of loneliness. And so I believe that this is something we have to address as the church. And it's one of the reasons why I, I love and I believe in the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples in John 15. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other. Everybody say, love each other. Love each other. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I I love this. Jesus says that there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a a friend, which is an incredible statement. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am your friend. I call you friends. And he doesn't just say it. It's not just lip service. He proves it. He says, no greater love than for a friend to lay down a life to death for another friend. Then he calls them friends. And then what does Jesus do on the cross? He lays down his life for his friends. He says, I love you like a friend and I've proved it upon the cross. But then he flips that around and he says, okay, I proved that I'm a good friend, but now I need you to prove that you are a friend. And he says, you are my friend if you do what I command. He places a conditional statement there. You are my friend if you do what I command. So if we don't do what Jesus commands, what's the implication there? We are not his. 
And so there's this idea of conditions attached to our friendships, which seems a little uncomfortable, but in real life, we've all had experiences where our friendships have been one-sided or lopsided. Can I get a good amen? Where if you don't call, we ain't talking anymore. Where if I don't make plans, we ain't meeting anymore. Anybody experience a friendship like that? And it's like after a while when you're like, all right, I'm going to see if I do nothing if we actually talk. And then you go months and years without talking. You can't help but wonder, were we actually friends or was I just keeping this dead thing alive and supporting this kind of friendship by being the only one who talks, calls, reaches out, make plans. And so Jesus is saying, I don't want this friendship to be one-sided. Yes, I chose you. Yes, I'm initiating this friendship, Jesus says. But if you don't do what I command, and what is that commandment? Love each other, then we're not friends. He's saying we have agency in friendship. He says that we have responsibility in friendship, that there are some things that we have to do. And If you've ever experienced a lopsided friendship, you know that sometimes when it comes to friends, you need some people to step up and prove that we're actually friends. You know, in Bible college, I was uh, on a road trip with my first Christian friend. I've preached about him before, Ben Block. And we're driving through the night so sleepy because we were going to go perform at a Christian music conference. And please, we're just vessels of the Lord we're not like any greater than anybody else. It's just the Lord uses us with the gift of music. So we're on our way through the middle of the night driving and we're getting sleepy and we see something kind of crazy. We see a semi truck 10 feet in the air above us. You think I'm an exaggerator? Well, I'm not exaggerating because I have pictures that I'll show in a little bit. We're driving on the highway and there's this cement divider between this flow of traffic and this flow of traffic. This semi-truck driver hit a deer, lost control of the whole semi-rig, crashed through the cement divider and it turned that divider into a ramp. And so it jumped up. And so the whole front end of the semi-truck launched in the air. And then it crashed down five feet in front of us while we were driving. It hit this divider so hard that it sent little bullets of cement and chunks of metal and parts of its own body at us. It went through our windshield and hit Ben, who was driving the car, right in the forehead, and he started to bleed and lose awareness of the car. I'm in the the passenger side of my best friend's ride, and we're going forward, (laughs) and and I see this thing. I'm like, we're going to die. And so I just kind of said, Lord, it's been a good run. (laughs) And uh, somehow we survived. But then this semi is all the way across the highway. It's, It's blocking both lanes of traffic. So everybody's trying to see what happens. And so we get out of the car. We've watched too many action movies. So I'm like, Ben, we got to run. So we run out of the car. It never explodes behind us. Anyways, let me, let me show you a picture of this semi that destroyed. Uh, so that's, that's me uh, in, the, in the night, pretty dark, as you can tell. <laughs> so that, that semi has lost its wheel. It fell off because it hit that cement. Here's another picture. You can see the, the destruction. So it went through that cement divider, and that's what launched it into the air. And this was after it. And so we're in the ambulance. Ben is bleeding. I have a picture of that. I didn't want to show it because it's pretty gory. And 
in the EMT ambulance station. Uh, they treat him, and then Ben actually preaches the gospel to them and prays for them. It's just this glorious moment, and we're stranded. We don't have a car anymore. We're safe, praise the Lord. But now we're like two hours away from knowing anybody, and so we're like, all right, we're going to go call our friends in our Bible college, and this was uh, before many of us had cell phones, and so we're calling all the dorm rooms, and finally one guy picks up, and we say, hey, we just got in a big car accident. We don't know what to do. Can you please help us? It's the middle of the night. We're urgent. We're scared. We're hungry. We're tired. We've got adrenaline flowing through us. And anybody ever go through a car accident? You know, you have all those feelings. And he picks up the phone and he says, you need a ride? Sorry, I, I can't pick you up. I don't want to put the miles on my car. It's a lease. Click. We're like, are you really a friend? <laughs> so we call more and more people, and it's scary. We finally call another person. His name is Jeshua. I'm not making this up, <laughs> which is uh, it's the name for Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Jeshua. Same name as Joshua. Anyways, he picks up the phone, and we say, hey, we're two hours away. Can you pick us up? And he says, don't even worry about it. I'm on my way. He shows up with a box of donuts. Praise Yeshua for Jeshua. <laughs> and he says, I thought you guys might be hungry, could use some comfort food. So I drove two hours. I'm willing to drive you two hours back, get you all settled. But I, I just wanted you to know I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. Who do you think the real friend was? The one who claimed to be our friend but didn't show up in our dark time, in our scary time, or the friend who showed up with a box of donuts. <laughs> At some point in our friendships, you gotta show up for one another. You gotta prove your friendships. You know, we had a leadership meeting yesterday with our department heads, and our, our youth director said a great quote that I thought was insightful, and I wanna share it. He said, most friends are good in good times, but the best friends are good in bad times. Let me read that again. Most friends are good in good times, but the best friends are good in bad times. Real friends show up when things get hard. And so Jesus says, you are my friend if you do what I command. He inserts this conditional idea to the idea of friendship. And I do believe that this is uncomfortable for us because we live in a world that, that doesn't value commitment in relationships. I wrote it like this. In a world that celebrates intimacy without commitment and relationship without responsibility, Jesus commands us to lay down our lives for our friends. And so at some point, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're going to follow his command to love each other like he's loved us, we're going to have to take some responsibility for our friendships. We're going to have to lay down our lives for one another and sacrificially serve one another in order to walk in the ways of Jesus. Can I get a good amen? And so if we are friends, we've got to prove it. There's a great example of this kind of friendship I saw in the scripture in Luke chapter 5, and I want to read this. This is Jesus doing ministry all over. Word is spreading. Things are starting to get crowded, and then this happens in Luke 5. 
Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. And so I want to kind of look at this passage and give us some pointers on creating biblical, godly friendships for all of us who are living in the society that's facing an epidemic of loneliness. First insight from this, I want to encourage us with is this. Be the kind of friend that carries someone when they can't carry themselves. That's what we all need. So Jesus is preaching and teaching. The crowds are surrounding him, even to the point where he's in a house. And in the house, there's so many people, and these guys are such good friends, and their friend is paralyzed, and he has a, a mat, and they said, we cannot abandon our friend. He can't move himself, but we know that Jesus can bring healing and freedom, and we can't just... Go let him take care of himself because he can't take care of himself. So what are we going to do? And they're having a brainstorm meeting. They're like, let's break the roof. I like these kind of friends. So they grab him and they break through the crowd. And I, I know they probably were like some of us. They probably felt like introverts. They probably dealt with social anxiety. I mean, there's a crowd and they have to push themselves through the crowd. I mean, other people probably had needs and they probably felt a little embarrassed or intrusive or like, am I cutting in line from this person who's been dealing with this sickness for years? Am I, am I imposing myself? Uh, they broke through all of that and they carried their friend and they brought him onto the roof. I could imagine that was pretty precarious. And then they break through the roof. They move the tiles. And back in this day, the, the roofs in Bible history were made out of mud and tiles and a little bit of manure. And so these friends were such good friends that can you imagine they're, they're breaking through the roof and Jesus is trying to teach the gospel, the ways of Christianity. And then all of a sudden there's a little crumble of manure a little crumble of tiles. He's trying to preach. A little crumble of dirt. You know, he's like, blessed are those who are poor. And there's like, is that, is that manure falling on my head from the roof? Who broke my roof? If I was the homeowner, if I was the president of the HOA, I'd be like, who's breaking this roof? Stop it! But they didn't stop it. They broke through the roof. They let him down to Jesus. And then they're trying to bring a physical problem to Jesus. But then what does Jesus do? He addresses a spiritual problem, a relational problem. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And then what does it say in the scripture? It says that Jesus says he saw their faith. He didn't see the faith of the individual with the problem. He saw the faith of the friends. He saw the, the faith of the friends that decided to carry someone who couldn't carry themselves. And I know we live in a culture that says you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But Jesus marveled at the faith of friends who said, this isn't my issue. This isn't my problem. But godly friends carry their friends when they can't carry themselves. 
Isn't that beautiful? And so that's what we're seeing happening in Luke chapter 5. And I, I feel like we desperately need to learn this in the church. How can we be friends? Because to be honest, I'm not trying to judge the people in this room or judge people who are under the spell of the Seattle freeze, but I think we've forgotten how to be friends. I think we've forgotten how to be social and how to interact with one another. And I don't, I don't think this is necessarily all your fault. I think we live in a culture that says live the American dream, be an individual, get a house by yourself, drive a car into your own garage, shut it before your neighbors can see you, right? We live in a culture that says, okay, hey, have entertained by yourself, get your own studio. I mean, back in the day, like 200 years ago, if you had a favorite song, like Beethoven's Fifth, you probably only heard that song twice in your entire life, right? Unless you could just bring an orchestra together, whatever you want. But now we can listen to songs by ourselves. Like, I, I have, like, songs that are, like, 10-hour loops of, like, bad songs, and I can listen to it over and over. Do you know how many times I've heard the Rickroll song in my life? I've heard Rick, the Rickroll song. I've been Rickrolled more than people 200 years ago have heard their favorite song. What a sad reality we live in. <laughs> and so we live in this culture that has taught us to be self-sufficient, taught us to be entertained by ourselves, take care of ourselves. And then we wonder why we're lonely. And I, I to be honest, I see a lot of people who are dealing with social struggles. And when I see you, I see you like this person that's stuck, paralyzed on the mat don't know how to break in through the crowd, don't know how to get healed. And I, I don't want to shame people for not knowing how to have friends because I think our culture's created us to be this way, but it is a, a reality. And I feel like as pastors, we're called to carry you when you can't carry yourself into the house, through the crowd, so that you can be healed, not just physically, but relationally. Forgiveness. I think that this is so important. But one of the things that I've seen hold us back from experiencing uh, true friendship is uh, an ideal of community. It's like I, I, I went to that church, and everybody was already in their clique. Nobody talked to me, so I walked out right away because I didn't make a best friend in the first hour of visiting a church during a public program. Did you join a small group? No, I didn't. Are you serving on a team? No, I didn't. Did you go to our unveil? No. Did you go on our camping trip? No. Do you have any friends? No, and I'm mad about it. I'm like, you're paralyzed on the mat. Of course you don't have friends. You're stuck. But I'm not just going to judge you. I'm going to carry you into the house. I'm not going to abandon you because you don't know how to have a friend because you're kind of awkward. Can we be honest? About half of y'all are awkward. And if you don't know who the awkward one is, guess who it is? <laughs> Just saying. There's this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I love this. He says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. Isn't that wild? The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Some of us have this ideal of the perfect church, so we abandon any church or any relationships because it isn't up to my standards. 
I believe in dreaming, but I think sometimes our ideal prevents us from being real with one another. And sometimes like these friends, like they did to bring their friend to Jesus on the mat, they, pardon my French, they cut through the crap so that they could get their real answers addressed. And they could become real friends who understand each other in these difficult situations. I want to be real. Sometimes I can get a little bit judgy when people haven't learned the lessons that I learned in my 20s. Because I, I was an awkward kid. I didn't know a lot of social etiquette. I'm Sri Lankan, but I grew up in Minnesota. So I had to learn things. Like, I grew up eating with my hands. I'd go to a friend's house and just go to town. I'd be like, wow, this is the best spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are you doing, Pratheep and Jimeno here in Severetto? This is how we eat in Minnesota. I'm like, oh. Whoops. <laughs> and so I, I don't learn a lot of cultural etiquette. But now that I'm a little older, and maybe you've experienced this, you're like, how does that young kid do that? They should know better. You know, if you get a gift, you're supposed to write a thank you note. I didn't write a thank you note until I was in my 30s. Are you kidding me? I was just this, like, ignorant young man. Like, I, I had to learn. I had to learn how to be better. And, you know, Amrith and I were, were talking real life about our church, and we noticed something. I'm not trying to bring judgment or condemnation. I'm trying to teach, not trying to abandon the person on the mat. But for example, we've been having a baby boom in our church. Has anybody noticed that? I mean, a lot of people are pregnant, and we've asked for help. Hey, we need some meal trains for these people who have babies. And every time we put up a form on our Facebook group that has hundreds of members in it, or our Slack group that has hundreds of members in it, it's the same four people that buy the meals every time. And so we all acknowledge there's a baby boom, but how many of us have taken time to help moms who are having babies? Have you bought in one meal for the people in our church who are going through a major life transition? I'm not trying to judge, but I'm trying to expose the reality that some of us, we need to learn how to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. So Amritha, being a lot more loving than me, she said, all right, I'm going to go on our Facebook group, I'm going to go on our Slack group, and I'm just going to explain the etiquette of helping moms have meals while they're taking care of babies. Anybody see that post she wrote? Very kind, very gracious. And then people signed up for like our, you know, our 40 pregnant women right now. <laughs> you know? And I, I was like, Armitha, thank you for taking the time to teach and be gracious because I really believe we have a loving community. I really believe we have a church that doesn't just want to be a friendly church, but a church of friends. But sometimes we need to not judge the person on the mat, but we need to say, hey, I'm just going to write a little note. I'm going to tell you that, hey, this could be better. And I'm going to help you become a better friend and find healing in Jesus. Can I get a good amen? And so I, I just think that's, that's beautiful because in this epidemic, I was reading this study by a Harvard study called Loneliness in America. And they said that 36% of Americans, that's more than one out of three of us in this room, 36% of Americans believe that we have needs in our lives and no one to meet them. And I think that's really sad. We have hurts to share and nobody to listen to them. 36%. And 36% feel like I have love to give, but nobody to receive it. But I believe that's why we're called to be this kind of church. In fact, in the same study by Harvard called Loneliness in America, I want to read a quote about what they said, promoting the church 
They wrote, we need to return to an idea that was central to our founding and, it, and is at the heart of many great religious traditions. We have commitments to ourselves, but we also have vital commitments to each other, including to those who are vulnerable, powerful. And so uh, I believe that friends are friends who take the time to carry others when they can't carry themselves. Amen. Second thing I'm seeing in Luke chapter 5 is this. Sharing a mission is a great way to form friendships. And so these, these men, these guys, they carried their friends. And I believe we need friends that we carry, but we also need friends that we carry with. There's a certain bond that you only have when you're on mission together with someone. Have you ever noticed you can sit next to someone in church and be like a passive receiver of the word or worship? And it's like, I've sat next to this person for a year, and I don't know one thing about them. I don't feel any connection, any bond. But then you're on a pickleball team with them, and you win the championship. And suddenly, suddenly you feel like, you're my brother. You're my sister for life. You see this in like military shows, like a band of brothers. We were in the trenches together, and now I have your back forever. You know, we see this reality, like when you go through a, a sorority or a fraternity in school, and it's like, you know, it can be 20 years, but it's like the people who really know me and who I feel comfortable with, it's the people I was with when we were learning and growing and on mission together. Like, for example, uh, Amy, our kids director, was in a, a sorority for engineers. That's a bond you don't find anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is a body you don't find anywhere. And so I, I believe that one of the best tips for creating friends is finding friends through shared mission, being on mission together. It's one of the reasons that we pull people into serve at Kalos Church all the time. We've heard this report, you know, to be honest, I wasn't faithful in coming to any church experience until I was scheduled on a team. And now I've been faithful to serve alongside of people. Now we have memories. We have friendships. And that's our heart. That's why we ask people to serve. Because we want you to know, you're on the team. You're one of us. We're on mission together. And I think that this is beautiful. There's an idea that I learned that was really helpful for me to understand. It's contrast between the idea of community versus communitas. And let me explain uh, in this quote by a pastor named Eric Bryant. In community... People bond, but the reason they're together is self-interest. It's community for me, not me for the community. As it is with communitas. Everybody say communitas. Yeah. And communitas, our purpose for bonding is to have a life-altering adventure we can engage in together. When you have the experience, uh, true biblical community or communitas, as, ex as opposed to what we have falsely claimed as community, which is more about a place to huddle and cuddle. And so in our church, we don't want to just be like a social club cruise ship where we exist to just say, ah, oh, you're my friend. Ah, oh, no, you're my friend. I like you. Oh, no, I like you. We're on mission. We're not just a people where we say the church exists for us. We say, no, we are the church and we exist for the world. Like, we're on mission. We have a, a great commission. We're trying to make known the beauty of Jesus. Can I get a better amen? And when you engage in that kind of friendship, in that kind of mission, that shared experience, that adventure, friendships form. 
And I can imagine those guys that were carrying their friends and broke through the roof, they probably debriefed after. They're like, hey, you broke that guy's roof. <laughs> Are you going to fix it? No, no. We got our healing. Let's go. <laughs> I bet they like had that shared bond. And I, I think we really need that. I mean, even Jesus says in Matthew 12, uh, you know, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I mean, the people who are doing the will of God together, sharing the will of God with him together. You know, uh, we had been in this building about four months, and uh, we had a building project to get this thing ready. And uh, we needed to clean the boys' bathroom. And so uh, Amy again, she asked Josh and Demaria, who serve with us at Kalos, to clean the boys' bathroom stalls together. They were in individual stalls. She was in one stall, he was in another, and they were cleaning, but they started talking as they were doing the shared mission of cleaning together. It was like a really low-budget version of Love is Blind. <laughs> and so they're, they're, they're cleaning, and then they're talking, and they're on mission together. And as they shared mission and shared conversation as a byproduct of serving the church together, long story short, they are now Facebook official dated. <laughs> Mission created relationship. In summary, if you want a significant other, <laughs> clean our bathrooms. <laughs> but I just love that that their their relationship started through serving together, side by side in the aroma of the byproduct of men. <laughs> what a, but out of that fertilizer, something <laughs> struck and beautiful is blossoming. Should I stop? <laughs> okay, <laughs> But you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of people see our leadership team and they, they say, wow, the leadership team in Kalos Church, they seem so close. They seem like friends. Well, it's because we're on mission together. We're praying. We're crying together. We're strategizing. We're doing the unglamorous parts of ministry. And we're not saying that this is an exclusive club. We're saying we're all welcome to jump into the mission of God and serve side by side. Where we don't just have to experience community, but communitas. Where we can experience the thrill of adventure. And through that adventure, experience a great friendship. I've said this before, but I, this is just something I believe for my own life. I believe this. Friendship, friendships die when you spend more time talking about memories than making them. And so we all need an adventure. When was the last time you made memories with friends and not just rehashed your college memories with your old friends? I think we all need that. So jump into the journey. Jump onto the team with us. Point number three. I just want to say this because I'm giving you a lot of pressure to be good friends, but I believe that you can't be everything for your friends. We are called to be like Jesus, but to not replace him. 
Good friends bring each other to Jesus. And I, I feel the pressure. Our church is growing. We've tripled in the last year. And we feel like, ah, there's so many new people to meet. I can't take care of all the needs. I can't do everything for everybody. But I've learned this principle. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. And just because you can't do everything for someone, you can do some things for some people. But ultimately, people are going to have needs that we can't take care of ourselves. We are good friends. We're called to be like Jesus, but we're not, to call, we're not called to be anybody's savior. Amen. And so these friends, they saw this guy paralyzed on the mat, and they brought him to Jesus. And through that, he found forgiveness. And later on in the story, Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. And he was physically healed as well. And so these friends brought their friends to Jesus. And I believe as a community... Real friends bring friends to Jesus. There are going to be times in your life where you feel like you need to be the sole source of listening to someone vent. You need to be the someone who always brings the solution. You're the answer person. You're the one who needs to show up at all times. But at some point, we need to say, hey, I don't know the answer, but I can pray with you. I don't know the answer, but I can drag you to church to help you get into community because you feel so lonely. Hey, I, I, I don't have the capacity to be your all in all socially, but what I can do is invite you into this small group so that it's not just me that is aware of your social anxiety, but there's a whole community surrounding you. And I believe we all have a responsibility to be friends, but we also have a responsibility to help the people on the mats that don't know how to break through the crowd, lower them down through the roof, and bring them to Jesus. Amen? And so this is the kind of church we want to be. And so we have a dream at this church that we're not just a friendly church, but a church of friends. And we bring people to Jesus. You know, I, I remember when I was in uh, high school, middle school, uh, I had, you know, one of my first official girlfriends. It was a sweet moment for me. Band, as I talk about my first girlfriend, you can come up to make this a little bit more emotional. <laughs> so I had this girl, and her, her mom said, uh, I don't want you dating uh, a brown person. She was a white girl. So she broke up with me. But this was middle school. And uh, back then, you don't break up for yourself. You send a friend. So she sent this girl, Amy, to break my heart. And uh, Amy came up to me and said, hey, I want you to know that this girl, she can't date you anymore. She is no longer going to be your girlfriend. I was like, oh, OK. But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> so I was heartbroken. I was sad. <laughs> Will I ever get married? Will anybody ever love me? <laughs> but this girl, she didn't just dump me on behalf of her friend. She invited me to church. It was the first time I was ever invited to church in my whole life. My family was practicing Hindus. They kind of became nothing, living this American dream. Girl invites me to church as a result of a breakup. She didn't try to be my answer. She tried to bring me to the answer. And I gave my life to the Lord, and now I'm a pastor. Glory to God. I, I, I want us to be good friends for each other, to pick up each other when they can't pick themselves up. 
But you're going to feel overwhelmed and like, I don't have the strength to do all of this. There's too many people. There's too many problems. There's too many struggles. Well, the good news is we don't have to carry this ourselves. We have a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. We have a God who loves us better than we could ever love one another. And his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen? We have a king who's closer than a brother. And it's beautiful. And so will you step into this ministry of friendship with us? I mean, it's a commandment. Jesus says, a new commandment I have given you. Love one another as I have loved you. And there's no greater love than for a friend to lay down their life for a friend. So join a small group, join a team, join us from Vail. We can't promise you friendships, but what we're trying to do is battle an epidemic of loneliness and create environments where friendships aren't just possible, but they're probable. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this word, your scriptures. I pray that you'd help us to lean into it. Lord, have your way. Help us to be friends. Help us to make friends. Help us to carry friends who are stuck on a mat, stuck on the ground, dealing with isolation or social anxiety. Lord, help us to to be your friend and to bring people to you to find true healing. We pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.